Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. On this channel, we are sophisticated, worldly people, and as such, it takes a lot to impress us. Oh my god, that cloud looks like a dog! Are you, are you seeing this? This is the Press Box. Being out there against the Nets, I realized that basketball is an impossible sport played by giants and gods. With Grainy and Bischoff. Tweet it, talk it, put it in your pocket. I've made a flimsy take and I'm proud of it. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we Shout go. Out to a simpler time oh. in America when all of us were captivated by the California Raisins. We all right? Maybe. We're good now. <laughs> Ed Tyler and Degenerate Danny running the show. He's already. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say you messed up there. Uh, it's part of the rejoin. I'm gonna blame Jared. Yeah. Okay. We'll blame Jared. Yeah. He made the rejoin. It's his fault. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a gap there where it sounds like we should be talking. Got your Astro shirt on today. Yeah. You're going to win today. You're going to be up two nothing. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for your team. <laughs> I know we'll get to my team later. That's what I told you. They're one and one, Ed. They're not what even I, losing in the series yet. What I told you. They lost to the Padres once in the last decade. Robert says Gonsolin's going tomorrow night. He's pitched two innings in about six months. That'll be good. That's fine. That'll be bullpen day. That'll be good. Yeah, all of a sudden in a third game of a of a uh, NLDS where you had five days off before. Yeah, and you're gonna go bullpen <laughs> game. Yeah, that's what you want. Gonna, that means they're gonna win. Don't they always win when they go to a bullpen day? They usually do. Yeah, so they're fine. Uh, it's Padres a bullpen's been stellar though. It has, but the Dodgers is better. Small sample size. You'll be fine. The first bite. Is the Raiders coaching staff to blame for the one and four start? <laughs> Somebody's got to be to blame. Did you see Dan Orlovsky and Ryan Clark break down two different plays from Raiders Chiefs? I just did. This so morning. the I first one they broke down was Travis Kelsey's uh, fourth touchdown of the game. And... Basically, their breakdown was Jonathan Abram had Travis Kelsey in a man-to-man defense, right? It wasn't a zone. It was man-to-man. Right there, that's a problem. And Abram had Travis Kelsey. And the Kansas City Chiefs used play action Mm -hmm. on this touchdown pass. And basically, their uh, breakdown of the play is that Jonathan Abram when he saw play action, when he thought there might be a chance it was a run, completely abandoned Travis Took his Kelsey. Eyes off Kelsey. Didn't even didn't even move with didn't him. Didn't even look at him. Just went straight towards the what was a fake handoff. And that left Travis Kelsey wide open. Wide open in the end zone. I mean the, the closest defender to Kelsey, well, I don't remember who it was, but was a guy in the secondary who was covering a different tight end right. on the play. The only reason there was anybody within 20 yards of Kelsey is because they ran two tight ends towards the same spot on the field. And so this is where we talk about the coaching staff. And if you're the Raiders, if you're the defensive coaching staff, I don't know if this goes all the way up to Josh McDaniels, but if it's just Patrick Graham, how do you ask Jonathan Abram 
to cover Travis. Kelsey. I mean, didn't they watch film from last year when Travis Kelsey just burned him down the middle, down the seam for a huge game? We, you, you don't have to be a, a coach. You don't have to be an expert in football to know that Jonathan Abram can't cover anybody. Right. We've we've known that for years. That was his biggest slight when he got drafted, and it's been worse than expected, and he has not shown that he's gotten better at it. And amazingly, three different defensive coordinators have walked in here and said, the guy's going to be my start in safety. We're going to make this work. We're going to have him cover Travis Kelsey, and it never works. So that, to me, is just horrible game planning, horrible defensive call. To say, hey, this Travis Kelsey guy has already scored three touchdowns on us. On a play on the goal line, we're going to line Jonathan Abram up and say, yeah, lock up Travis Kelsey for us. When we all know that's not going to work. Because here's the other part of this equation. If Jonathan Abram had stayed with Travis Kelsey, hadn't been on the play action, Kelsey probably still scores. (laughs) Like... Kelsey probably just... Oh, he still probably runs away from it. Right. He probably still scores on the play because Abram's not good at that. He's not good in coverage. And so the coaching staff, I think, deserves a lot of blame for that play in particular. But I think the bigger issue is the front office decision to not upgrade Jonathan Abram. We spent a lot of time in the offseason and held during the season too, talking about the offensive line. How the Raiders, they went out and they spent money at wide receiver. They made sure that their tight end got paid. They made sure that their quarterback got paid. They spent money at defensive end, right? Which are all important positions. And we talked a lot about how they ignored the offensive line. They also ignored the secondary. They have one of the worst coverage safeties in the NFL in their secondary. And that's not new information. We all knew that. They walked into that, uh, that player in that situation and they decided... We're okay with that. We're okay with having one of the worst coverage safeties in the league. We're okay with our defensive coordinator using him to cover Travis Kelsey in the end zone in the fourth quarter of a one-possession game. That's on the front office, too, for them to walk into this and not try to upgrade that position. Because here's the other part. They declined his fifth-year option. Yeah. they The front the, office. Those three, they get declined. Right. Yes. They told us, we don't think Jonathan right. Abrams very good. And yet... They also told us, well, he's going to be our starting safety. Right. And that, to me, is a front office failure. As much as, like, in games, you shouldn't be asking to tra- uh, cover Travis Kelsey. But also, Patrick Graham was handed a defense where one of his two best safeties is Jonathan Abram. And that's on the front office as well. Because we have seen enough that Jonathan Abram probably shouldn't be on the field in the scenario where he, he has to cover Travis Kelsey. Shouldn't be an option for Patrick Graham to have to put Jonathan Abram out there to cover Travis Kelsey. Well, I think it's also, like you said, I think three defensive coordinators come in and they all think they're going to be the difference. <laughs> they all think that, you know, don't worry, I'll make him something that he's not. Um, I mean, look, the deco- the coordinators are very positive about everything, as you suspect, on those Tuesdays. They don't, they they spend things as, as you'd expect. They're not going to be negative about their guys. But I think it was Patrick Graham probably saw the tape and said, I can do this and this with him, and we can make him better, and obviously that hasn't happened. Do you think there's an obsession through multiple defensive coordinators about Jonathan Abrams' big hits? Because his, Well, that's what he does. Right. Like What he does is he, he'll land a few big hits right. during the season. He had, he's actually generally a, a bad tackler overall because he ends up missing quite a few tackles. But 
Like, I wonder if there's just this weird obsession with, well, he's a heavy hitter and we can use that to stop It makes a lot of sense of why they would keep with him. Yes, it's just amazing to me that they continue to ask him to play in coverage. And I, and I actually think the Raiders have done more this year to play two safeties not named Jonathan Abram, and he's still on the field. Like right. they've, they've taken away, I think, some of those responsibilities for him to cover down the field. But it's still, you, you end up in a scenario where you're asking him to cover Travis Kelsey, which is not good on the game planning part, but also not good on the roster building part, where that's even, even an option for you defensively. Now, the other thing that Dan Orlovsky and Ryan Clark broke down on ESPN, because they broke down two plays from this game, and it was it was very good to see them do this, and, and they did it very well together. But the it was the two-point conversion play where Josh Jacobs got stuffed uh, right at the goal line. Right the Raiders, at the goal line. Uh, didn't get the two-point conversion, lost by one after that. Uh, Orlovsky was pretty confident that this was an RPO because... Jacobs obviously gets the handoff. That's the run part of the run pass option. But Devontae Adams is running a slant. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, I, I want to say it's the most common RPO setup that we have. Like how Tony Sanchez was running it here at UNLV where you have the run option and then you have the backside yeah. slant. Like that route is one of the most common because what you're doing is you're taking one defender. And in this case, it was a safety for Kansas City. You're taking one defender and you're not having anybody block him in the run game. And you're basically just seeing what he does when you go to hand it off. Mm-hmm. And if he crashes on the handoff, then you should have an opening to throw the slant well, the, over uh, the middle. Devontae Adams. If he stays back, then you should be able to hand it off and, and pick score up some at yardage. least two yards. And in this scenario, the safety for Kansas City bit on the handoff, came just flying through. There's a wide, massive hole. He comes flying through the hole. And despite the safety committing to the run, Derek Carr still, still gave the still ball. Handed the ball yeah, still handed the ball off to Jacobs, and the safety ends up helping make the tackle. Now, I will say one thing. The way Jacobs was running in that game, actually kind of expect him to, to make that guy miss and get into the end zone anyways, but the general rules of an RPO, Derek Carr made the wrong read. Like, Devontae Adams had an opening, and Carr's got to make an accurate throw, but Devontae Adams had an opening on a slant that most likely is a I was watching it. It would, have, it would have been a nice throw, though. Right. It, I mean, it was, there's still a corner there's still there a covering, corner covering Adams, him. but there's still an opportunity. There's still the the window for Carr to make a five-yard pass to Devontae Adams, and I would, just like I'd bet on Josh Jacobs beating the safety, I'd bet on Adams catching beating the, the corner and catching it there in the end zone. But ultimately, they ran a play to read a specific defender, and Carr made the wrong read on the two point conversion, which that, that to me is pretty rough because you've got a quarterback in his ninth year. Like you would think you're making the right read there unless he just thought, ah, we're giving it to Josh Jacobs. No matter what this guy's getting in the end zone, no matter what. Yeah. Because how he'd been running, right? Maybe that was a thought process, but you'd like to see your quarterback actually make the right read on an RPO, especially when it's the, you know, biggest play of the game. One of the biggest plays, I guess, Renfro and Adams running into each other became the biggest play of the game. But at the time, was the biggest play of the game. So two two really good breakdowns, I think, by Orlovsky and uh, Ryan Clark. Yeah, that, if you haven't seen that, go to Twitter yeah. on Dan Orlovsky because those are those are terrific ways for them to show what happened on both those plays. All right, I have a very important question. Where's Max Crosby's baby? Not here yet, right? We really? Will, well, I'm not sure, but I my guess is when that child is born... <laughs> Twitter will absolutely explode 
with the news. I'm not. I don't want to put it out there that the the child hasn't been born, but I would think, we given would, how we would know. given how social media conscious he is, yeah, that someone or somebody would go on Twitter saying that the baby has arrived. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was at one point where they thought the baby was going to be born right before the Denver game, right? Because the first the first conversation was about Crosby potentially needing to miss the Denver game for the hey, birth of his child, taking her time. And and then after the Denver game, it was okay. She's she's due on Wednesday before the Chiefs game, and then the Chiefs game came and still okay. no baby. And now it's Thursday after that. That it I happens. I don't know much about pregnancy, but that doesn't seem good. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm not. I look. We're not our doctors. We don't know what's happening there. The babies sometimes uh, take longer than what the due date is, and they'll come. She'll come when she's ready, and uh, uh, then we'll know about it on Twitter. Crosby said she was doing it without being induced, right? Am yes, I correct in saying that? No, naturally, yeah, <sighs> yeah. That sounds painful. That sounds tough. Oh no! The one thing you should not be talking about at any point are children or pregnancy. Yeah, it sounds painful. Uh, there's Doesn't, just it no sounds chance like a you should be on this on this wavelength at all. Yeah. Sounds like the a nightmare. Jenner Danny agrees. <laughs> talk about Jonathan Abram not covering Travis Kelsey or the RPA. Do not talk Listen, about women and children. I think I'm going to give the baby a lot of credit if it's born on the bye week. Sure. Ter- terrific timing sure. from the baby. Good timing from yeah. the baby, yeah. Wait for Crosby to not have a game that week and say, all right, it's all about me, yeah. Dad. Here I here I come. Otherwise, you you know, if if he was born on Wednesday, he or she, I don't know what it is. If he was born on Wednesday, Dad's got to go play a football game. I believe game it's a little Monday. girl. It's a girl. Okay. She's born on Wednesday. Dad's going to go play a football yeah. game like three days later. She's born now, tomorrow or something. Dad doesn't have anything this weekend. No. Get all the That's attention. Good. I'm all on board with that. <laughs> I don't, you talking about children just puts it at a what new do you level. Mean? I love kids. They're great. Okay. All right. <laughs> Coming up next. Like I like people. We'll jump into the Golden Knights. Pass on the breakout, knocked down by Petrangelo. Stevenson in, with Stone, got it to him, he scores! Mark Stone! A huge fist pump, 24 seconds to go. Mark Stone, two fist pumps. He goes bar down, and the Knights have their third lead of the day. Across the red line, into open ice right wing, Petrangelo shooting off the outside of the post, but the clock runs out, the game is over. Vegas wins on opening day. Final score, Golden Knights four, Kings three. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire is going to join us in about 10 minutes. So if you have fantasy football questions, you can text them to us and we will get Jeff's answer for you. 69187. That is our text line. Send your message there. Make sure you put ESPN before your message. So type ESPN, whatever your question is, and send that to 69187. We will get your fantasy football questions to Jeff Erickson. Uh, So that is coming up in 10 minutes. Now, Golden Knights play their first home game uh, tonight. We are going to have Bruce Cassidy on the show at 9 o'clock. So stay tuned later in the show to hear from Bruce Cassidy ahead of the home opener. They already won game one of the season against the Kings. And I wanted to ask you about projections and where this team ends up because uh, the Athletic had preseason projections, gave the Golden Knights a 58% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, They were the 15th best team in the NHL. 
Meanwhile, uh, a guy on Twitter named Jay Fresh, who also does a lot of analytical projections, he had the Golden Knights missing the playoffs, fourth best team in the Pacific, so not getting one of the three spots, and had the Golden Knights finishing below five teams in the Central, so not getting a wild card spot either, but only finishing three points out of a playoff spot. Do you believe that it's 50-50 the Golden Knights make the playoffs? Like, is that a fair percentage to put on their chances to make uh, the postseason? It might be fair, but I have to stay with what I already picked in the newspaper. I can't deviate, so I picked them third in a playoff team. <laughs> you are allowed to deviate. I will not deviate. <laughs> I picked them third and to be a playoff team. So th- I, this is the fascinating part to me because the outside expectation is that the Golden Knights are somewhere around a 50% chance to make the postseason, right? Like there's not, there's no models or projections out there that have the golden Knights. 65% they're in. Yeah. They're clearly a playoff team. They're contending for the top spot in the West or anything like that. It's, Hey, this team's solid. If things go their way, they're going to be in the playoffs. If things don't go their way, they're not going to be in the playoffs. Like that's, they've got a pretty wide uh, ceiling and floor. Yeah. Ceiling and floor. And the part that I find interesting to that is what do you think the answer to that question is if you ask Bill Foley? Oh, I think he desires or believes it's a lot higher than yeah. that. Like a his, lot higher. The expectation of Bill Foley is not third place in 90, what is it here? 93, 95, 93, points, 95 points. So that to me is the fascinating part is expectations from within the organization or at least at the very top of the organization compared to what the actual league-wide expectation the external expectation is on this team because if this team misses the playoffs right most people would look around and say yeah there's about a 50 50 chance that was going to happen that was it's not what everyone said right not unusual not unlikely if they were to miss the playoffs but if they miss the playoffs bill foley's probably firing somebody multiple people i mean bill foley's not going to be happy if they miss the playoffs, even if that's sort of a likely outcome yeah. for this season. And then let me ask you this. I mean, two straight without the playoffs, you think uh, someone could be in trouble? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Bill Foley obviously is, you know, expecting to win a Stanley Cup every season. If you got an actual honest answer from George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, what do you think their expectations are for this season? Uh, make the playoffs and see what they can do. So you don't think they have the high expectations of this is a true cup contender. We should be playing that's in the Western tough, conference. That's a tough final. question. I think to totally 150% honesty. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you got them to just say, Hey, what do you think is going to happen this year? What well, I mean, they, the goal is always to win the Stanley cup. The reality is, I think the reality is if they were hundred percent honest is just to get back to the playoffs. They missed the playoffs last year. So to get back to the playoffs and see what they can do in them, which is, pretty much in line with the, the with sort of external expectations. Exactly. So that's just the interesting part to me is that we go into this year and there's this, it's it's very similar to the Raiders, right? Where it's sort of, the Raiders were a little less than 50, but it's kind of 50, 50. You're going to make the playoffs uh, externally, every model betting market, whatever, but then internally, or at least from the fan base side on the Raiders, there's the expectation that they were going to be really good because yes, you that got was Adams and everything. A huge expectation. Right. And on the, the gold Knights, I don't think the fan base thinks that, but I do think the owner, Definitely thinks that. And it's fascinating to see because if everything went right for the Golden Knights, if Eichel and Stone stay healthy and they get good production 
from Jonathan Marcheseau and the defensemen score some goals. And most importantly, Logan Thompson, they get a goaltender. That's that's good. Right. They are a cup contender, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if, if we're looking at the end of the year and Logan Thompson, like, let's just say he's the ninth best goalie in the league. They are a Stanley cup contender. If things go right, they can win the Stanley cup, but if things go wrong, and it doesn't even have to be completely wrong. It's just, hey, Logan Thompson is the 27th best goalie in the league. And, hey, Mark Stone missed 15 games. And Jack Eichel missed 11 games. And Petrangelo and Theodore each only scored like 10, 11 goals. That team's not in the playoffs. And that's not that's not really a horrific season. That's not a, hey, we had 7,000 man games lost or whatever they want to say. That's just a few things going slightly wrong. And this team's not in the playoffs. So it's, it's a very wide range of outcomes for this team that I think is Well, that's what 50-50 usually right. is. That's that I think is fascinating. Like, we could be talking about, oh, how high is this team's draft yeah. pick or how late they, are they how playing? How late can they get into the playoffs? Yeah. How, how late can they go? So it's fascinating to me. And they looked good against L.A. And mm-hmm. the, the sort of one game overreaction is... But they looked good. They're certainly a playoff team. Like the way they played against LA, and especially considering LA That team the other night's a playoff team. Yeah, they, especially since LA is like, hey, that team that's probably you're probably battling with LA right. for a playoff spot at some point during the season. You probably walk <laughs> away from that saying, All right, they they looked good against another team that's gonna be in contention and they won the game. That's a playoff team. Now, tonight they play Chicago tonight, who's coming off a back to back. And it's not going to be any good. Like they had them play at Colorado and then at the Knights. <laughs> nice job. So if the like if the Golden Knights look great against the Blackhawks tonight, you're not really walking away. From, like it's that's a good thing, but you're not walking away saying, "Oh, they crushed the Blackhawks. No. That they're, they're coming for the cup." So, but to do it against the Kings on the road in the opener, eh, it's pretty good. I think gives you reason for optimism going forward. So, that's that's. Where the Golden Knights are. And then are. I think they and get Seattle after that. Is it Seattle next? I can't I remember think they who they play Seattle on Saturday. It's it's a fun it's a fun team. Like they've always been fun because they've been good and they've got a front office that will literally do anything to try to make the roster better, even if it means the roster doesn't get better, but they think it does in the short term. But now it's it's a fun team who simply because we don't know exactly which yeah, they way get the, the season's going to go. Yeah. That one's in Seattle or that one's that here? That one's in Seattle. Look at that. They have they have a a lot of road games, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, to start this thing. Oh, Logan Thompson's got to be good on the road to start the year. Who starts tonight? Then they come home. For, then, no, then they go to Calgary. You think Logan Thompson or Aiden Hill? Starts I think tonight? Logan Thompson starts. All right. I think Logan Thompson. That, starts. that is uh, the other curiosity: is what? How do they break up the goalies and the starts? Because you're clearly going to play Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson, right. and then whatever they do with Laurent Brossois when he comes back, whichever two goalies are on the roster, you're definitely going to play both of them until. One of them plays their way into the permanent starter, or one of them plays, plays their, their way, way out of it. Out of it, right? So I'm curious. I, I don't know if Cassidy would go just a straight, you know, alternate every game situation, or if he wants. To I give, think he stays with Logan Thompson. Give Logan Thompson, you know, three or as four many in a row. opportunities as he can yeah. to take the job. That's there. I think that's that gives them the highest ceiling. Like Aiden oh, Hill sure, and Laurent Brossois. Like we yeah. kind of they've got enough. NHL level experience that we kind of know who they are as right. goalies. They're average, maybe a little below average goalies. Logan Thompson has the highest ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. It might not, he might not reach it, but he definitely has the highest ceiling. If they're going to win the cup, it's probably going to be because Logan Thompson is just a phenomenal young goalie, right? So I would play him a lot until he truly I'd make proves, him the number one unless he plays himself right, out of it. Until he truly proves I'm not the guy. You got to go to Aiden right. Hill with Laurent Brossois. All right, coming up next, Jeff Erickson's going to join the show from Rotowire. If you've got 
fantasy football questions. Now is the time. Text them to us at 69187. Uh, whatever you got, type ESPN and then your message and send it to 69187. We will get Jeff Erickson from Rotowire to answer your questions. Second down and inches. Gives it to Chubb. Runs near side right. He's got the first down. 40, 35. He's 30, 25. Cut to the middle. 20, 15, 10, 5. He's gone. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. Tannehill gives Henry diving, stretching the ball. Touchdown, Titan. Henry broke the plane by stretching the football. And Tennessee has surged back in front. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from Rotowire is Jeff Erickson. If you have fantasy football questions, you can send them in now. Our text line is 69187. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN, whatever your fantasy football question is, and send that to 69187, and we will get it to Jeff Erickson. All right, Jeff, I, I want to start here. How high is Taysom Hill on your tight end ranks? Oh, yeah, it's a discussion point for everybody this week. Uh, I have him at nine, and I had to grit my teeth to do that because he's barely playing any snaps <laughs> except for these key, uh, these, uh, a couple of token packages here and there. He just had such a massive day in those snaps last week that it's hard to ignore, especially when the tight end position has been so barren this year. Uh, so, yeah, he, he begrudgingly made my top ten. Should he be a tight end in fantasy football? Like, are you, are you okay with that being his position? Oh, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> but we, it's too late to change also. Um, he, he's not a tight end. He doesn't line up at tight end at all, ever. Um, this isn't a Cordell Stewart situation where they actually used him in multiple spots. He's not a slash. I mean, he, he's, he's a slash in a different way, but he's not a tight end. Uh, it's just because of that one comment made by Carmichael this summer that, oh, we're done with the quarterback experiment. He's, we're no longer going to use him that way. So all, all the staff services took that to heart and listed him at tight end. Um, and now we're stuck with it for another year. Uh, first question I have here, does Rashad Bateman play this week? Unlikely. Didn't show up yesterday for practice. Uh, I, we'll see. Friday practice is always the big key, right? So, uh We'll see what happens, but I, I think it's probably not very likely. Uh, what do you expect out of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle with Skylar Thompson at quarterback? <laughs> so it seemed to me like Thompson was trying to force the hill a lot. Uh, so I'm less worried about him because he'll get there on volume, although it would be kind of like Jamar Chase with his 12 targets and 50 yards game that he had Sunday <laughs> night. It might be something like that. But Waddle really seemed to suffer last week because of that. Um so yeah, I I'm gonna, I have muted expectations, and in fact, my I update my rankings on Thursday. Waddle's going to get a pretty significant downgrade because I thought there was a reasonable chance Bridgewater could return in time, given that they needed to come off the field. Uh, but because the Dolphins have such heightened scrutiny with because of how they handled Tua earlier this year, the situation. But now they're they're talking about. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think we lost him. Yeah, I've all my dolphins. I don't think it's going to be very good. Okay. All right. We lost you for just a second there, but we're, we're good. We got you back, Jeff. All right. Uh, question from the text line. Again, if you have text, send them in to 69187. Starting off with the tight end question, George Kittle or Gerald Everett? Kittle, but with some regrets because Kittle's definitely hurting right now. Um, they, they need him to block more. They're just choosing to run the ball so much. They've had so many game scripts like this. 
Uh, and I expect this week to be a very similar game to the uh, Carolina game last week, where they're going to be playing with a lead, they're going to be wanting to have fewer possessions, and their opponent is not going to be hearing it out. Atlanta throws less than anybody in the NFL, so they're trying to have a shorten these games up. That's what Atlanta likes to do. So that's Kittle. Randall Cobb or Corey Davis? Uh, Randall Cobb and uh, two Excedrin for my headache. For that <laughs> well, don't worry. We have another Randall Cobb question. <laughs> Randall Cobb or Travis Etienne? Etienne. Uh, he got more snaps than James Robinson last week and looked good with, it, with, it, with his opportunities. He was like the one positive to come out of that game for Jacksonville last week. Uh, 69187 is the text line. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson, you can send them in. Uh, somebody just says, need a tight end to stream. Uh, uh, Hayden Hurst, if he's available. Uh, maybe Cade Otten in Tampa Bay. If, uh, especially if Brake doesn't play again, that might be a decent option. Tight end has been such a problematic position this year, guys. I mean, it's, it's tough. Uh, you're just trying to find someone that's going to score. Last week, Travis Kelsey had four touchdowns. Taysom Hill had four touchdowns. The other tight ends combined had five. Uh, it, it was a really because usually you're just hoping to get that one, you know, the one red zone catch and, and get by that way. So, but it, it's it's a hard hard way to make a living. Should you ever not play Gabe Davis because of who the quarterback is? <laughs> you should. I think the key is if he's a, if he's in practicing in full, there's no questionable mark with him. You, you play him absolutely because all it takes is one play, as we saw, and this week it's with the Chiefs. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Um, all right, here is probably the most detailed question we've ever gotten for you. It's a half point PPR. Wants to know, do I start Taysom Hill at tight end and move Travis Kelsey to my wide receiver tight end flex spot? With my wide receivers being Gabe Davis, Michael Thomas, Terry McLaurin, and Romeo Dubs, there are two starting spots in the lineup for wide receivers. Okay, so. You're starting Davis, uh, obviously. Um, McLaurin is the tough one. I think the, I, I get the impetus for the question. It's frustration with McLaurin and his commander's offense and the scintillating Thursday night battle that we have this week. Um, <laughs> I'm going to still go Davis and McLaurin still and go Kelsey at, at tight end. Uh, I, 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 unless there's a, a fourth player there, then that's yes, I do that. I do it over dubs. Let's put it that way. 69187 is the text line. Uh, three guys for one spot in a PPR league. Uh, Ken Walker, Miles Sanders, or Juju Smith-Schuster? Um, good, good question. Good problem, actually. Um, let's see. I, I, I think i go Walker here. I, I think he's going to get a lot of work this week against Arizona, and that's a pretty good matchup. Uh, on Ken Walker, what, what do you think the ceiling is for him the rest of the year? Uh, pretty high. It, I, I question a little bit on the pass catching side of things, uh, but then again, you know, you know, so you might see DJ Dallas in on passing situations, but I see him as uh, he, his ceiling is top ten back. His floor is probably twenty five or so, uh, so somewhere in that range. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. I don't know why our listeners only have Randall Cobb on their fantasy team, but Randall Cobb or Jerry <laughs> Judy. Um, Jerry Judy, uh, I'm not, not thrilled with it because 
of uh, Russell Wilson's shoulder issue and it, just his general play, but I'm going to still go that route. I think the Packers saw what happens when you force the ball to Cobb. Um, it's just it's not a great result. I mean, Cobb was better last week, but I think Judy's got a higher ceiling. Jeff Erickson with us from Rotowire. Again, if you have fantasy football questions, you can send them in to 69187. Uh, are you considering dropping Antonio Gibson with Brian Robinson getting uh, more work than him last week? Not yet. I think Gibson's still good. That's the problem. Uh, even last week when he got the, the limited amount of touches, he made a couple plays in the passing game. He's still in a PPR league. I think he still has value. He's an incredibly frustrating player right now, though. I understand the they understand the reasoning behind it, but also, you know, Robinson's a great story, but he didn't look that great running the ball. It's like nine for twenty-two. Um, you actually have to produce too, besides being just a good story. So we'll see about how this one flashes out. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Rondale Moore, Melvin Gordon, or Kareem Hunt? Um, I'm going to go Melvin Gordon there. I think the uh, workload was. I'm pretty satisfied with the amount of work he got. Uh, last week in the Thursday night game, I think this week against the Chargers, uh, it you know the Chargers are, are, are very vulnerable against the run. Plus, you got a little revenge game action going on here for him. We have a theory about Josh Jacobs. They didn't pick up his option. Uh, they're going to run him, you know, to death in terms of and his production. Are you surprised at his production? And could you see them doing this the rest of the year and not picking up his option and just running him like this? Yeah, uh, I am surprised, and yeah, I could see them doing this here. I, I thought when they used him in the Hall of Fame game, um, I thought, oh, okay, he's not right. You know, and, and all the talk about it being a true committee, because that's the way uh, you know McDaniels has, has operated in the past as a coordinator with the Pats. I was like, okay, I'm avoiding Jacobs this year. So I have zero shares of him in my 20 leagues, guys. So uh, this is my flying the L flag on him. But yeah, I, I see him being you know you know used heavily, um, and then you know. Be that comes comes with, comes with it. There, I don't think they trust Zamir White that much either. So I think it's just a, there's a lack of a good pivot too. All right, uh, we'll get these last few in and let you go. Uh, Tyler Boyd or Devontae Parker? Uh, Boyd. Uh, J.K. Dobbins or Kareem Hunt? Um, tough one. Close. I'll go Dobbins. All right, and the last one. I actually feel bad for this person. Mike Boone or Tevin Coleman? Hey, it's bye weeks. I'm, I, I have I have a similar ugly situation there. Uh, I'm going to go Boone, but uh, with some some regrets. All right, last one just came in: Marvin Jones, uh, Jamal Agnew, or Chase Claypool. Uh, they keep getting better, guys. Um, <laughs> let's go, Marvin Jones. All right, Marvin Jones, the final answer there. He is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. Jeff, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it. No problem. Take care, guys. See you. Why do so many people have have Randall Cobb as an option? I have him on one of three teams. What's ha- I don't even think Randall Cobb's on a team in my league. Yeah, he's just sitting out there for anybody to pick up. And we got three questions about, do I start Randall Cobb? What's going on here? So there's Jeff Erickson answering your fantasy questions every Thursday. And again, our text line is 69187. So anytime you got a fantasy football question on Thursday, send them in and we will get Jeff to answer that. All right, we got tickets to give away to go see... The Scorpions, they are playing at Michelob Ultra Arena on Friday, October 21st, and we got two tickets for you. If you want to go see the Scorpions at Michelob Ultra Arena on October 21st, call in right now, 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Be calling number four at 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to go see the Scorpions. 
I mean, obviously there's certain situations where they, it shouldn't be called and it gets called. But, I mean, it's like anything in the league, man. I mean, it's, they're, those guys are watching film and trying to do their best to call the game the best way possible and not affect it. Um, but there's got to be, like, a little bit of common sense along along the lines of, like, with Chris Jones, I mean, he had, he stripped the ball. And so it's kind of – I know he some of his body weight landed on him, but he braced the ground and he was holding the ball in his other hand. So, I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do as a defensive lineman um, to to do to get to try to get off the quarterback whenever you get a clean shot on him, um, but I mean there's definitely times where it should be called. Um, it's a hard penalty to call, but I, I mean the the refs will continue to learn. They'll continue to to learn from their mistakes um, and uh, continue to officiate the game uh, the best way possible. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. We get Thursday night football tonight. Another awesome matchup: Commanders and Bears. Oh man. Even with the switch to Prime, they have not changed the scheduling for Thursday nights, have they? Well, we did get uh, Chiefs Chargers. We got a couple first good week. ones, but well, I think they're... Well, week one's always good because it's the first game of the season. Right, right? but then champ. it gets progressively bad on Thursday week night. Week two, they gave us Chiefs and Chargers. Great job. And now it's a disaster. Yeah. Now it's Commanders and Bears. I will say, to be fair to them, the Broncos were supposed to be... Good. And they did give us Broncos last week, and they are decidedly not good. But now we get into the Commanders and Bears portion of this, where of it's the Thursday night schedule, where it's will Justin Fields. Danny, DeGener, Danny, what's the is there a prop on Justin Fields completions? And is it like nine and a half? There is a prop. Let me look it up. Maybe <laughs> it's a little higher because they're playing the Commanders. I would say it's probably seven and a half. <laughs> no, I think nine and a half attempts. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how great that would be if he was like seven of nine? Oh, be and phenomenal. they won, of course. And they obviously. won, of course. 13 yeah, yeah. to 10. Because they just line up and run it every single time. Like, it's what an incredible game. Uh, he did throw it 21 times last week. It's a uh, lot. Do you uh, have they, they don't have his completions, oh. but his pass and rush yards combined is 220. Okay. And his uh, his touchdown passes... Currently set at one, not not even a half. Not somewhere. even a one and a half. Not even a one and a half. <laughs> so everybody's gonna push. And on the that under bet. is still favored. He's gonna. Everybody's gonna push yeah. on that bet. The under is favored. I guess <laughs> he's just gonna push on it. Um. So yeah, fun game. Uh, did you see the report this morning from ESPN on Dan Snyder, who has? Oh, here we go. So okay, the way this story is framed is from people close to Dan Snyder or that work with Dan Snyder. And apparently Dan Snyder, he's been doing this for years, tells people that he works with or that he's close to that he has dirt on on Roger Goodell, on the league office, and other owners in the NFL. Maybe Um, that's why they haven't shoved this guy out. Here's from, from the story. Snyder recently told a close associate that he has gathered enough secrets to blow up several NFL owners, the league office, and even Commissioner Roger Goodell. Snyder has told associates he will not lose his beloved franchise without a fight that would end with multiple casualties. And from this story, uh, many owners and top league executives tell ESPN they would like to see Snyder removed as an owner. So what you have here, is Dan Snyder has known for years that there's a chance he's going to lose the commanders, that he's going to lose his team. And apparently his 
um, defense mechanism was to hire a private investigator or multiple private investigators to find what's essentially blackmail on other owners, on Roger Goodell, and I'm guessing other people in the NFL league office. Guys, Maybe that's, well, I mean, there's a reason he hasn't been removed yet, and I think all these guys are scared to death he might have something on them. I mean, what other reason would there be, after all he's done, not to at least bring it to a vote or not to at least push this? Because I think there's probably things on, I think he probably does have things on people. So here's, here's, here was my thought initially when I read this. Dan Snyder doesn't have anything. He's just bluffing. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Or he would have been, I think they would have tried to get rid of him. Well, you don't know if he's I bluffing. Mean, if Dan Snyder just well, says. But again, if, if I'm an owner and he says he's got something and I've done something, I'm like, uh-oh, he knows. Yeah, that's all, that's all he has to do yeah. is say, hey, I. But can't. I think there's things out there. Oh, probably. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, almost, maybe I shouldn't. I mean, there's 30. What? Right. I'm willing to guess the majority of the owners in the NFL have done something that is that private. They do not want right. it out there. Now, some of it might not be that big of a deal, but I'm sure there are a handful that have done something that's, you know, a big deal. And if you're Dan Snyder and you just sort of casually, vaguely say to other owners, be careful. Be careful what you wish for. Right. All my all my dirty secrets are out there. You wouldn't want that to happen to you. You can just sort of vaguely hint at it while bluffing about it. That was my first thought, is that he doesn't actually have anything. He's just, this is a defense mechanism for him to be like, ah, you guys want to get rid of me? Well, I'm going to pretend like so I got stuff on you. he's just guessing there's stuff out there, and there probably yeah. is anyway. Yeah. Maybe I'm giving Dan Snyder too much credit, but that was my initial thought, is that he's bluffing. But I don't know, like... I, I don't want to sit here and like defend Dan Snyder, but I kind of love oh, the don't. idea that he could lose his team and his first reaction was, lose my team. I'm going to find every bad thing you guys have done. I'm not taking my team away from me. That's a great move. Is it not? Terrific move. Yeah. Because I, I think he knows things. I do. I don't think he's bluffing. I think he knows some things. They're too... Those guys are too close in that he would hear things of other owners and what other owners have done. So the the story that ESPN had, uh, a quote from Dan Snyder to a associate, the NFL is a mafia. All the owners hate each other. And then they have another anonymous owner respond to that saying, that's not true. All the owners just hate Dan. <laughs> <laughs>